Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 15-Minute Frightcast, the condensed version of the Midnight Frightcast in which I bring in a guest, they pick the movie, and then we review it together. This episode in the Zoom studio with me is a special guest, filmmaker Hunter Smith. How you doing, Hunter? Good, man. I'm glad to be back on the show and bringing exposure to a uh, modern horror classic. And what is that classic? Tell us the movie that you chose. It's Dr. Sleep. It's the uh, 2019 sequel to uh, Kubrick's beloved classic, The Shining. Well, let me give some quick details on Dr. Sleep. As you said, it was released in 2019, running two hours and 32 minutes. Unless you get the director's cut, then it runs about three hours. Years following the events of The Shining in 1980, a now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. IMDb rating 7.3, Metacritic score rating 59%, Rotten Tomatoes critic score rating 78%, and Rotten Tomatoes audience scoring, people really like this one, 89%. So Hunter, why did you pick this movie? Although the film was enjoying a bit of resurgence in popularity through uh, social media and streaming, I feel like this movie should be gaining some more exposure. And then just the concept of making a sequel, it's like, where the hell do you go with this? Right. Well, thankfully, this is not some cheap cash grab sequel or a remake because there was quite the uh, epidemic of remakes back in the 2000s. And then it kind of died off. And one of the biggest trends right now is sequels to um, longtime classic, respecting the original, but also taking it in a really profound new direction. And that's exactly what Dr. Sleep does. And I think it definitely deserves more admiration for that. And I don't often like to use the term underrated, but in the case of Dr. Sleep, it'd be kind of deserved in a way. Now, have you read the book by Stephen King? I haven't read the book in full yet. After I saw the movie, I did buy a copy of the Dr. Sleep book. I've done a lot of research into differences between the books and the movies. That doesn't bother me. I don't like to be one of those people that constantly bitches about, well, that, that detail's not there and that's so different. Being a Stephen King fan, I love reading his books. This was a movie that I preferred the changes that Mike Flanagan had made to the book for the movie so that it tied more into Kubrick's original movie of The Shining. So I know that there are some diehard fans that did have issues with it. I didn't. It actually worked really, really well, the changes that he had made. So let's talk about the acting. Ewan McGregor stars in this. It's got some fine support in this film as well, from Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat, the young lady, Kylie Curran, did a fine job, I felt. And then Interesting enough, Flanagan uses some actors in a couple other movies that he's done. He used Henry Thomas, who was in The Haunting of Hill House, and also Bruce Greenwood, who was in Gerald's Game. Your thoughts on acting, Hunter? I think the acting was really terrific. I somewhat expected that going in, and I was still pretty floored by it. I remember hearing back a year before release that Owen McGregor was cast as an adult Danny Torrance. I thought that was a pretty spot on choice. And uh, Owen has somewhat enjoyed a bit of a resurgence in popularity as of late. And he deserves it. Uh, He is fantastic as Danny. He brings a lot of humanity to the character. And and if you watch Shining and Doctor Sleep back to back, you can imagine that kid growing up into what he is in the film. 
And Rose the Hat, she's an unconventional but riveting follow-up to Jack Nicholson's iconic Jack Torrance. And in saying as someone who has Jack Torrance as their favorite movie villain of all time, Rose the Hat uh, completely kills it, no pun intended. And even some of the supporting villains are uh, really scary as well. Kylie Curran, she's going to be in some really good projects in the future. And I like the casting of unknowns in some of these roles. Like Emily Allen Lind, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, her, uh, yes, Snakebite Andy. Uh, I really liked her character as well, yeah. especially her um, introduction scene in the movie, which simultaneously also brings back some of that that retro atmosphere from the era that The Shining became popular. So yeah. um, I want to talk briefly then about the directing choices. Mike Flanagan, like I said, he's worked on a couple other Stephen King projects or one other Stephen King project. He did Gerald's Game for, I believe it was a Netflix original, but then he was also set to direct Revival, which it didn't get support from the production company. So that one will not be done, but there's talk of him also going to be doing Salem's Lot later on. So he seems to have a really nice connection with Stephen King's book adaptation. Talk a little bit about the direction and the cinematography in this movie that kind of stands out for you. The direction is excellent. And uh, Mike Flanagan, he managed to make the movie his own, even though he's making that compromise between Stephen King and Kubrick. And of course, the blending of those two styles was something that didn't exactly make uh, Stephen King happy. Although I can somewhat understand where he's coming from. And I'm glad that King loved Dr. Sleep, the movie, because he employed a very old-fashioned feel with Dr. Sleep, like the use of cross-dissolves and Mm -hmm. the editing and the pace. I actually think it manages to move at a pretty consistent pace because, of course, the original Shining is notorious for being a slow burn, which isn't always a bad thing. A lot of older movies are slow burns. And, of course, many newer movies can move at a slow pace and be very compelling. And I love how Dr. Sleep takes its time. It stayed consistently moving, and each scene played a purpose in uh, saying something about the characters while bringing in genuine terror as well of both supernatural and psychological. And of course, there's more of the former in this one than the original. Also, the music by the Newton brothers, they bring some of their own uh, arrangements to some of the score from the original, which was terrific. The music that plays when they're driving up to the Overlook in the third act is just fantastic. And the cinematography by Michael Finmondry is uh, just excellent. (laughs) We'll just call him Mike. (laughs) <laughs> Mike, yes, there's a lot of mics. I love the uh, the color palette and the it, it's it's a more polished than the first movie, but it still looks terrific on its own. It's one of my favorite shots is when I won't spoil too much, but when Danny is in a difficult spot and he's trying to find his shining, and he, he's in his apartment and it causes it to to spin and he lands on one of the walls. That was a fantastic shot. Also, when they go back to the Overlook and he's looking through the axe door of uh, where where Jack terrorized him and his mother in the first movie, those shots are fantastic. I would say for me personally, the choices made by Mike Flanagan really worked for this adaptation because he was under the gun for keeping it loyal to Kubrick's. And the problem is in the book of The Shining, the Overlook Hotel is completely destroyed and it isn't in Kubrick's Shining. So he had to go back, Flanagan had to go back and take this book where the Overlook Hotel no longer exists and try to find a way to work that in. 
And the Overlook Hotel in the end became its own character once again. And it just brought back a lot of the feelings from the original Shining. A couple other choices that, that was different. In the book, Dan survives. And in the movie, he does not. And I, I'm not sure I'm really happy with the ending itself, but that's kind of the way I am with some of Stephen King's books. So, oh, yeah. They joked about that in, in Chapter 2. Oh, yeah. Although as a King fan, I, I like that, although the film got a little too meta with that with for its own good. And, of course, I love the ending. It worked for uh, Dan's arc and how it tied back to the uh, caretaker from The Overlook, the, the chef mm-hmm. who helped him. Dick and, uh, Dick, yes. And so Dan being able to um, to be passed on the torch and be a, a mentor for Abra was very satisfying. Now, it's it's obvious you're a fan of the film. However, if you were to give it, if you were to give a couple examples of what could have been better, what would those oh, be? There isn't really a whole lot negative I can really think of. I did mention it is a little more polished than the in the first movie. It, it compared to the first, it feels a little more grainy or a little more rough. Not that it bothers me too much because the nighttime scenes are, um, they were able to pull off a very cold and um, very sinister look with them. And especially uh, the scenes with the true knot. And uh, fan service can be a diff- difficult issue for some, kind of going back to what you were saying. I don't know, if there was maybe one gratuitous callback, it might have been in the the scene where um, Dan, his friend Billy, and Abra are driving together, and then Abra accidentally causes Danny to have a flashback, and we see the typewriter. It was okay. I haven't seen, and I'm just talking in terms of the theatrical cut here, I will uh, have to critique the um, directors on Facebook at some point because I watched some clips of the new scenes they added. When Dan finally confronts his father, they make them, instead of cutting it off at a certain point like they do in the theatrical, which was perfect, in the directors, they uh, they make Jack take Dan to the bathroom and he's wiping him off just like the char- just like the bartender did in the first movie. And I'm watching, I'm like, okay, did we really fucking need this? It's like, <laughs> it's just it's just dragging on. Now, um, one thing I was really, really impressed though was how well they replicated the Overlook Hotel from the original Shining movie. Things look almost verbatim from that film. Yet I'm glad they didn't try to find people who looked exactly like the three actors that were in The Shining for young Danny, for Jack, and and, and for Wendy. I'm glad they found people who kind of look like him, but didn't try to go for an exact match. Uh, but they did a really good job of replicating those scenes from them. So, Hunter, we're now at that part of the podcast where we review the film and actually give it some points on a scale. And our scales are the fear factor, the gore score, and the overall rating slash would you recommend it to a friend. This is a rating scored on a 1 to 10 scale, with 1 being the least and 10 being the most. So, Hunter, what is your fear factor rating for Dr. Sleep? For fear factor, I would give it a 9 out of 10. Of course, lightning can rarely strike twice in terms of making horror sequels. While it's a very different movie from The Shining it still manages to re-advocate a lot of the uh, terror from the first movie thematically and aesthetically. And of course, in terms of new scares, there there's no reliance on jump scares, which I absolutely loved. And Mike Flanagan made a point of that early on before the movie was released. 
and it's still it's it's very psychologically scary like with the true not how they're killing children Mm -hmm. and they 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 do go that far it's still just as if not more scary and depressing than the shining uh so i would i'd give it a nine out of ten and of course maybe not a ten because it's not as scary as the first movie but still okay for me, it's going to be pretty low. Granted, there was a lot of tension in this film, but when it came to like true fear, for me, it's it, it's pretty low. It's a, it's a three on the fear factor. But for me, this was also a movie that was very touching because he had some really great relationships with the people in the nursing home that he was working with. And especially in the extended cut, you got to see the relationships build a lot more. So the next rating is oh, the exactly. gore score probably a four or five there isn't very much gore in this film although in the couple of scenes where they do it gets fairly bloody Mm -hmm. and of course we do see the bloody elevator once yeah there isn't much gore so i would give it a low rating for that okay i too would give it a really low rating there was some spattered blood during the baseball boy's death other than that all the violence was pretty much not not necessarily off screen but out of frame So I'm going to give it about a two for the gore score. And then finally, we have the overall rating slash would you recommend it to a friend? It's a given. I would recommend this to a friend. Although, I don't know, logically, I would probably give it like a nine or a 9.5. But fuck it, I would just give it a 10 out of 10. Um, All right. Excellent. Despite despite some of the uh, smaller nitpicks that I gave, those don't really affect the overall film. And it's pretty much near perfect. While not as good as The Shining, it's a worthy uh, film on its own, definitely. All right. For me, the overall rating is is much higher than the other two ratings because I really do enjoy this movie. I think it's a good adaptation of a book. It's not necessarily a true adaptation, but it is a very good adaptation. I'm going to give it eh, about 7.58 for the movie overall, and I definitely would recommend it uh to anybody to watch this movie so that wraps up our 15 minute fright cast of dr sleep with our guest hunter smith hunter thank you for coming on i appreciate it thank you very much you bet and so if you would like to hear any more of our reviews please go out to midnightfrightcast.com for more 15 minute fright casts as well as the full midnight fright cast thank you for coming and we'll talk to you later 